Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Super Sleuths Book 2, The Royal Captive by E.M. Clark. Read by Lexi. Chapter 5. Off to the North. The Golden Ram left Sandopolis Port a few hours later, in the dead of night. Destination, Frenchtown in the north. The children gathered on deck, gazing out on the moonlit sea, the wind filling the sails as they sped into the open ocean. As the ship swayed on the waves, lanterns glowed and bobbed, and the tangy smell of sea salt filled their nostrils. The quartermaster gave them all a biscuit and a cup of hot tea, and they listened to the sailors singing their favourite sea shanties. Come all ye young rascals that follow the sea, way hey, blow the man down, now please pay attention and listen to me, give me some time to blow the man down, blow the man down, captain, blow the man down, way hey, blow the man down, send him right back to Sandopolis town, whoa! Give me some time to blow the man down. Better get some shut-eye before we arrive in Frenchtown, said Captain Jet. Aye, aye, Captain, the children answered, and they trooped off below decks to curl up in their hammocks. The steady creaking of the timbers of the ship gently swayed them from side to side, lulling them to sleep. The golden ram moved smoothly north and passed a sinister island. The black castle loomed over the ship and evil seemed to pulse from it. Zelly tossed and turned in her hammock, disturbed by more strange dreams. However, when she woke in the morning, she couldn't remember a thing. Just a few hours after they had dozed off, the children awoke, surprised to find themselves lying in hammocks in the dusky light of a ship's cabin. Then they remembered they were on an adventure and raced up onto deck, eager for their first sight of the north. We're close to the Great Line now. Captain Jet told them. We passed a hurricane hole last night while you were asleep. There are quite a few of them further north. The sleuths looked at each other, remembering their very exciting adventure in a hurricane hole. A word of warning, the captain continued. Do not go into the water. This is not the sea. It becomes the great river and there are lots of serpents. What's that? interrupted Sophie, pointing to the right-hand side of the ship. The others looked and saw a low shape made of stones rearing up out of the water. That's Orange Fort, the remains of the fortress built long ago to protect the river mouth. No, not that, said Sophie, staring intently at the pile of stones. That! And she pointed at what looked like a brownish-green log lying in the sun. As they looked, they saw that there were several of these rough, bark-covered objects strewn over the stones. Then one of the logs opened a yellow eye and stared straight at the sleuths. Its long, rough body twitched and, in a flash of movement, it had whipped its tail and disappeared with a splash into the water. As soon as it did so, all the other logs sprang to life and followed the first creature, splashing into the water and vanishing under the waves. An eerie stillness returned to the surface of the water as the children stared. What are they? 
asked Zav. Jacka, said Captain Jet grimly. Jacka, repeated Sam. Jacka, confirmed the captain. They look like crocodiles, but they're enchanted, and they hunt in packs. Zelly shuddered. Enchanted? What do you mean? They're controlled by the House of Barbosa, explained the captain. They act as spies, intimidators, and worse. They can run on land as well as swim fast in the water, so they're nearly impossible to escape. When a pack of jacker are on your tail, you're in serious trouble. But they looked just like logs, exclaimed Sophie. I think we'll try and keep away from the serpents and the jacker, decided Sam, and the others nodded. Where's Mudtown from here? asked Zav. Up river, said the captain, pointing. But we need to duck in Frenchtown first. Frenchtown's buildings were built of the same grim grey rock, identical in size and shape. There were no colours. It looked forbidding, especially in comparison to the riot of brightly coloured houses in Sandopolis. Stretched out so that no one could miss it was a huge flag, a giant jet-black letter B with green and yellow snakes entwined around it, rested above a sharp-toothed crocodile, jaws open wide. It was the crest of the House of Barbosa. As the golden ram pulled smoothly into dock at the stone quay, a huge white bird soared toward them. Ka! it cried, announcing the ship's arrival and swooping menacingly above the heads of the visitors. The children ducked. Sophie and Zelly covered their parrots instinctively and Rafa shut his eyes tight. As soon as it had appeared, it had gone shrieking to the sky. A man wearing a uniform with the same crest as the flag marched smartly up to them. Papers, he demanded. Uh, yes, of course, officer, Flavia replied, raising her eyebrows. Are you here in an official capacity? He stared coldly at her. We are the BIN, Barbosa Information Network. BIN, whispered Sam to Zav, Sounds like a load of rubbish to me, Zav replied. The guard continued. By order of Prince Igor, all ships and visitors must register upon arrival in Frenchtown. Papers! Flavia handed over their identity papers and Captain Jet produced the ship's manifest. The guard scrutinised the documents. This appears to be in order, he said grudgingly, but I will need to check the contents of your ship, Captain. Captain Jet grinned. No problem at all, he said. But why don't you all go on ahead? I'll make sure everything's ship-shape here and join you later. Good idea, agreed Flavia. Everyone saluted the captain and they headed into town. Sam looked back at the hostile guard, who was now questioning Captain Jet closely. Not a very warm welcome, was it? Zav said. We'd better keep an eye on the bin patrols, Milo agreed. As they walked through the narrow stone streets, they looked around. The people were not very friendly. They hurried by, heads bowed, occasionally glancing up curiously at the visitors, but not saying anything. It was very quiet. Too quiet for a bustling port town. The people seemed nervous, wanting to get their errands done as quickly as possible. And everywhere they looked, they could see the House of Barbosa's flag. 
It gave a suffocating feeling to the town, as if invisible eyes were hidden in the giant letter B, staring at passers-by, daring the people to challenge them. Occasionally, they heard the sharp cry of a core cutting through the blue sky, and it made them shiver. The streets grew narrower as they moved toward the centre of the town, until suddenly they stopped. Here we are, said Flavia, and she rapped loudly on the huge wooden door. A red-headed woman, dressed in white, with a yellow parrot on her shoulder, opened the door, a warm smile on her face. Flavia, she cried, and kissed the twins' mother on both cheeks. Pleased to meet you all, she said. I am Delphina, Flavia's cousin. Do come in. Once inside, they walked into a tree-lined courtyard with a fountain in the centre. This is beautiful, cried Sophie, as Anna and Demaria flew delightedly up into one of the trees. Make yourselves at home, invited Delphina. Cups of sweet hot chocolate and cream-stuffed pastries were handed round as Flavia and the children told their host all about Princess Richenda's disappearance and the suspicion that she was being held in Mudtown by Prince Igor. A worried frown crossed Delphina's face. Yes, that makes sense, she said. A darkness has fallen over Frenchtown. Parrots are being attacked by those vicious cores and there is a cloud blocking the magic of flambeau. The sleuths explained that this was exactly what had happened when Richenda had been taken. And when Zelie added that it was Countess Rosina who had cast the enchantment, Delphina looked at her. Countess Rosina Contuti? Yes. She has been here as a guest of Prince Igor, a very dangerous woman. She used to be of the House of Flambeau, but she betrayed us. When she married Count Zuto, she changed her loyalties. She went to the darkness and has remained there ever since. She will make it very difficult for us to disrupt Prince Igor's plans. Well, I'll be very happy to help anyone seeking to disrupt Igor's plans, a deep voice replied, and a tall 16-year-old boy strode into the room. His keen, dark eyes swept over the new arrivals. Hello, everyone. I'm Philippe Galliard. Ah, Philippe, Delphina cried happily. I was just about to suggest they needed your help. She smiled at the children. My son, Philippe, is part of the resistance in the north. We have joined the fight against the House of Barbosa. Philippe will be very useful to you. I will indeed, the young man said. Now, what's all this about a kidnapped princess? While the others filled him in, Zelie moved over to Delphina. I have a message from Clarence, she whispered. Delphina stared at her. The dragon? she asked. Yes. He told me that I need to see Joletta, but I don't know who she is. Can you help? It can be done, Delphina smiled. Joletta is of the House of Flambeau. The House of Flambeau? Sally cried. Where Anna and Demaria come from? The very same, said Delphina. But Joletta also has another name. She is known as the Witch of the North. Thanks for listening. Join us next time for more adventures in Chapter 6, Mud Town. Check out the interactive map on our website, supersleuths.net. Want to read along? Supersleuths Book 2, The Royal Captive, is available now on Kindle. Enjoyed today's chapter? Why not rate our podcast? See you next time. <laughs>